Welcome to Deepen with Pastor Joby Martin. The Church of 1122 is a movement for all people to discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're praying this message helps you deepen your relationship with Him. Now let's dive in. All right, pastors. I'd love to start tonight by asking you, maybe Pastor Joby, I've heard you say before that there was a time when you shifted in your mindset from the idea of tithing to first and best. Yeah. Tell us about that and, and what what happened. Uh, a series of things all came together, a confluence of conversations and sermons and ideas, et cetera, okay? Mm-hmm. We had a, a pastor teaching here, really from kind of a di- like a – a different-ish camp or whatever, but a friend of mine preaching here a long time ago, and he said something to the effect of, if God's not first in your life, then your whole life will be out of order or Mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. Simultaneously, I am neck deep in like Acts 29, Reformed world about, and the whole basis of Reformed soteriology is the sovereign grace of God. Mm -hmm. So I've kind of got that thing going on. And then Pastor Britt sends me a, a sermon by a guy who would also be kind of in a different-ish camp pond mm-hmm. than us. And he's like, I believe about, you said to me something like, I believe about 80% of this, and if I'm being honest, it's probably about 60%, but you should watch it. You know, mm-hmm. Those three things came together sort of at the same time. And I, I just kind of thought, I don't really have a theology of giving or generosity or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so with gospel lenses on, just began to work through the scriptures and it was like reverse engineering. Like, why? Why would like? What's the deal with what we do with our money? And basically, reverse engineered to back. Well, it's about the preeminence of Christ, and that's where it starts. Mm-hmm. It does not start with what the church needs or the, even the return on kingdom investment. Nor does it even start in the discipline of man. Mm-hmm. But the foundation of of this, and really. Everything is the preeminence of Christ or the fact that God is first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you unpack that in the sermon, the principle of preeminence, uh, those those truths, and then our response. And, I mean, y- you took us that, that really kind of warp speed tour through the whole Bible almost, the narrative that, there, that this is all the way through. Um, Pastor Britt, you have a similar story that... I think maybe it was before coming here, uh, but w- what was your experience going from, you know, kind of the concept of a tithe to first and best? Yeah, the sermon aforementioned uh, by Pastor Joby <laughs> was actually given at a church that I was serving at mm-hmm. from a guest speaker, uh, preacher, and um, eh, speaker, and uh, <laughs> and I heard it, and he did a ton of work in the Old Testament about firstborn, mm-hmm. first, firstlings. The, the, the reality of placement, God is first in placement, mm-hmm. and that he ordered the law around first, and that the significance of how significant it, it, it is that where God has placed himself and how he has predecided he will be obeyed and treated. And he did a ton of work in the Old Testament. And I just remember listening through a similar lens that he's talking about. And I'm thinking, 
he never quite gets to this brother never quite got to the what I would call the the full gospel, which I think is what we are by God's grace walk in here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just remember thinking like the scales are just falling off my eyes, and it was like a totally different way to see the Old Testament. And the old covenant and the new covenant. And I just remember thinking, like, how in the world did I go this long in life and not see the the reality of preeminence in scripture from beginning to end? Mm-hmm. And and um and so that that was my journey with it. And and um and so what Pastor Joby won't tell you, I don't know how much history we want to get into, but when he and I know a lot of church leaders listen to this podcast as well, which praise God we're glad to be a part of your ministry in any way we can. Um, what happened, and I talked to a lot of church leaders about this, what happened here is that Pastor Joby caught or was gifted a theological vision that came with a language. Mm-hmm. And he, he got this theological vision from Scripture and from the, the Spirit of God opening this and it came just immediately by God's grace to uh, to our church with a language of first and best, and the idea that God is first and God went first and God loved first and and we respond with our first and best. Mm-hmm. That, not to be too metaphory, but that key in the lock, like it, I believe in the spiritual and in the actual like practical ministry of our church unlocked. Many, many things. This is 2014, 2015. And so I'm really grateful that God breathed that into us that many years ago. And our people, the folks here that we serve with, uh, the 1122ers, like, I just can't, there's no really measuring the way God has used this revelation of first through his word in the lives of our people. I mean, it's just, it's changed the game in, in every way in regards to discipleship. Not only that, but I, I would argue, short of the resurrection of Christ and salvation by faith, it is it is the, like, one of the first foundational steps that our church takes, people have taken, to just unlock discipleship. So I'm really grateful for it. Yeah, like, I mean... So, so, Vicky, sometimes I teach people the Bible. Well, literally, the Holy Spirit is the one that can expose the Word of God, mm-hmm. but you know what I'm saying. Sometimes I teach people the Bible, and then sometimes I try to teach people how to understand the Bible. Those are two different things. Right. There are some lenses by which I want to give to people that will change the way they read the Bible forever. So a few of them that I come back to often, one would be um, the idea that the only thing that the enemy can throw at you is lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Keep mm-hmm. coming back to it. Always come back to that. Because mm-hmm. then it gives you lenses to see all the verses about sin and temptation mm-hmm. from the beginning to the end, okay? The idea that forgiveness is about canceling debt. It helps us understand the cross. It helps mm-hmm. us understand how we're forgiven. helps us understand how to forgive people. That Those are lenses by which you see it from the beginning to the end. Another one would be like the idea of propitiation. It's all the way. It's from the coverings being garments being made from Adam and Eve all the way to the lamb sitting on the throne in heaven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if I can give you the, those lenses and it changes everything, it changes the way you understand how God sees you. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then another one, big one would be the preeminence of Christ. Mm-hmm. So now, even when you look at John 10, 10, it's not me, the sheep 
and I go do a thing and ask the shepherd to come bless me. Mm-hmm. That would be not him being first. That's me first and asking him to respond to me. Mm-hmm. It is. No, no, no. He is first. He goes first. He loves first. He'll lay down his life for us. He speaks to us. He tells us what to do. It's all still the same lens. Mm-hmm. It's not just about how, how like what we do with money. Mm-hmm. It's about what we do with our entire life. Right. Like, is he preeminent? Is he first? Is he echad? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. The tools to understand. It's like exposition and then some biblical theology tools. There's a couple of things that came to my mind uh, related to the history of, of our church, and I wanted you to just comment on them. There's been a couple examples of things that we've done first, things that you've wanted to do first when we had our first service mm-hmm. uh, or a, a first service in a new location, or a new building. When we opened up this, this building, there was something that we did first. And I think it comes from what we're talking about. Like, there's a significance. So, what we do first to talk a little bit about, I think you probably know what I'm talking about with those things. Yeah, there's uh, the first service we ever had. Dude, there was so much hype. I mean, honestly, yeah. you know, our church planning story is <laughs> very unique. Our core team was, I don't know, 1,000, 1,500 people, whatever. There was a lot of, a lot of excitement here. Mm-hmm. And I wanted the first thing that ever happened at an official service here was to be prayer. I think people, some people wanted like confetti cannons and like, yay. And I was like, nah, man, first thing we ever did is pray. Really, before that, it was to put the cross in the front of the place. Mm-hmm. So you put those two things together, and that's how we open every campus, mm-hmm. right? We put a cross up, we do a service, we open with prayer. When we open this place, which is where we broadcast all the sermons, the first thing that ever happened here is we read every word out loud of the Bible nonstop for 70-something hours because mm-hmm. that matters. Mm-hmm. I think what you do first matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was such an amazing experience to be a part of. I came in here like 3 a.m., and you just sit here and listen to it, and it was really, really special. Um, so we, we kind of landed in uh, Genesis 4 we can we can talk about these other texts that that you brought up you know Colossians 1 Matthew 6 Malachi I mean but there's several questions that came to my mind as as we were looking at just this text specifically okay so you got into this a little bit in the course of time is one of the key and offering and in the course of time are the kind of the key phrases that describe the differences between Cain and Abel's offering so just remind us for uh, um, for those that might need catching up. Yeah, why are those important as we're trying to understand the difference between these two offerings? Cain is not doing first. Right. Cain is on his own timetable. Cain is a farmer. Mm-hmm. So basically, what Cain is doing is bringing leftovers. Mm-hmm. He is evaluating how much he has, seeing what he can live on, and he's going to give the rest to God. Mm-hmm. God doesn't do second. God doesn't do leftovers. Mm-hmm. That's not. Again, from the beginning, like the first commandment mm-hmm. is basically God is first. Mm-hmm. And then Martin Luther says the other nine are commentary on the firstness of God. Mm-hmm. And so that Cain is not living that way. Now, <clears throat> the Bible never says that God is angry at him. He just gave no regard to that offering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? But then what, what Abel, in our context, Abel, who is dealing in livestock, when he gives the first fruits of the firstborn, mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's essentially like he works on commission, mm-hmm. and he has no idea what's coming in. 
as opposed to a farmer takes in a harvest and then counts, mm-hmm. right? So he, the first one that's born, the first time he got a paycheck, he brings the first of his first paycheck, not knowing what else was coming. Mm-hmm. So that is a first fruits faith offering. I'm, and basically what he's saying is Cain is saying, I trust me, and Abel is saying, I trust you, God. Mm-hmm. That's the fundamental difference. And you didn't you didn't get into this much, but that phrase always sticks out to me, had regard for. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, unpack a little bit. Like the re- God had regard for one and not the other. What, is the, what does that mean? What do you think it means, Vinky? I think he, he saw it with favor and honor and, re- and received it versus on, on one and then not on the other. Yeah, I would say God is saying what you are doing is in alignment with my character and nature, Abel. Mm-hmm. And Cain, what you are doing, I don't have regard for because what you are doing is not in line with my character and nature. Mm-hmm. I am first. Yeah. Regard, if we, you know, we use that word, it's almost like respect. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting to think about, right? That God would say, I respect the way that you're worshiping me or the way you're offering to me. Uh, another phrase, and you mentioned this also, that he became very angry at that. And I, I thought we could hang out there for a minute. Why is anger the response of Cain, but also it seems to be a response when we don't get what we want or there's, there's a lot of anger or visceral responses around money. So by the way, it's the first time I've noticed that. I mean, I've, I've mentioned this text a bunch. Uh-huh. But basically wanted to use all these texts to set up a deep dive at the end of the sermon on yeah. this. And it was one of those like, I don't know, it always stirs my affection for the Lord when it is a fulfilled prophecy of Jesus because he told us he's going to send the Spirit who is going to teach us. Mm-hmm. And the Spirit taught me something in yeah. Genesis 4 that I had never seen before. Yeah. <clears throat> and you are right. Anytime you talk about money, a lot of people get angry. Pastor Britt did a really great job with our staff recently talking about anger. Won't you unpack some of the... Things, but <laughs> remind me about fear and control. Fear and control. Yeah, there, there you go. Yeah, man. Any anywhere that uh, the spirit of fear uh, is at work against you, uh, or f- fear is manifesting in your life, the the way the way to see it is through the appetites or the lens of control. And so, you're tra- anytime you you want to control something, that's because there's a you're afraid of something. Uh, there's fear inherently attached to that, and um, al- almost always, when you're trying to protect a thing, uh, whether it's protect an idea, whether it's protect uh, a sense of security, to protect a territory that you think is yours, uh, almost always, when you're trying to protect something, it's it's it is a sign of distrust. And there's a lot of confusion going on in there. Um, pr- primarily, you're confused around who that actually is. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, if, like, if I'm trying to protect my bank account, I'm confused as to whose money this actually is. Yep. If I'm trying to protect, you know, this, that, or the other. I'm, I'm not saying protect in the good way, like there's a wolf coming trying to hurt my kids. Obviously, I'm going to protect my kids. Sure. Does that make sense? Um, I'm talking about like the the insatiable appetite to be, to have everything in your control and under your your rule, and so, um, uh, yeah. So I think what happens is because we're afraid, it that fear 
starts to show itself in control, and we quickly realize that we have the capacity to really control nothing and that it's an absolute illusion. But even in our illusion, we have the ability to control very little. Mm. And and everything that, that starts to spill out of our control, one common response is to get mad, mm. is to get angry. And ultimately what you're angry about is the fact that you're not in control. Mm-hmm. But you lash that anger out on other people, on coworkers, on peers, on family, on kids. Does that make sense? So that's a lot of times what we get angry about our ki- at our kids about is because is because ultimately I think I'm in control, and you're not behaving the way that my co- appetites for control say that you should behave. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be angry at you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to lash out in anger. And um, and so the fear and control and anger, it's all married together. And whether that's true, man, that's whether true in leadership, that's true in how we manage our finances, that's true in how we love our spouses. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I could go on and on. Um, but the like with my wife, who's the best, um, but we're both gut- guttural. Our our like. I've talked. I've talked about this before. That there's three common emotions: uh, sad, mad, and glad. Like default emotions that everybody is one of three default emotions. And you may disagree with that, but generally speaking, you'd like default to being sad and like, or default to being glad. Um, which those people like. God bless them. God bless them. You know, <laughs> we, but, need, we need him. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a few few of them out there. It's like it's the best day ever. Then mad. I'm a default to mad. Like I'm a fighter by nature, and and um and so my wife's that way too. Um and ultimately, in our early years of marriage, we would get into these cycles of her trying to control me and me trying to control her. And ultimately, what we were trying to do was to control the others, control our happiness through the other person's behavior, mm-hmm. versus like. You're, I'm prime. I'm not primarily, she's not primarily here for me to be happy. Mm-hmm. She's primarily here for me to love and to serve and to see her flourish as a daughter of the king. Not, do you see what I'm saying? And that changes my appetite of what I'm, I'm you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not in, I'm not trying to control her anymore as much as I'm just trying to support the work of God in her life. And there's a lot of freedom that comes through that. And so it manifests itself in all kinds of ways, but fear, Control, anger. I think with Cain, I think he. I think he. A lot of things are happening. One, he felt rejected. Uh, two, he came face to face with the reality that the game was up. You try to manipulate and manufacture and make your own reality, and God's like, "Man, I ain't playing your game. I ain't gonna play your game." And he didn't like that at all. I mean, James in the New Testament, we talk about this all the time. James in the New Testament, Jesus' brother says, you know what you're mad about, right? He actually says, do you know what causes fights and quarrels within you? You want something and you do not get it. You want something and you didn't get it. Mm -hmm. That's what you're mad about. Mm. You heard that anger is a secondary emotion. Like it's... It's never I primary. I just said it was a primary emotion, Pinky. So <laughs> no, no, but I'm saying tell that everybody why I'm wrong. When you, <laughs> I'm not trying. I'm not trying to disagree with you right <laughs> no, now. No, no, no. Please, I'm using uh, wrong. So it revi- it it's like a- anger is never never the core of what you're 
really experiencing. It's, it's, it's to cover something else up and usually it's pain. And so you're, there's a, a pain or a fear that, that then causes anger. But if you look back on the past week of your life and you say, what made me mad? And then you try you try to diagnose those situations. I bet you if you went two, three, four layers below, it was like, no, no, that really reveals something about what's going on in my heart. I've heard it said before, and I agree with this, that your frustration, whatever you're most commonly, whatever you're most frustrated about, reveals what idol you're struggling with. Mm-hmm. Your frustration reveals your idolatry. So let's dive into something I didn't get to in the sermon. Okay. I'm all on board with you, like, um, and I talked about it a little bit. So Cain responds in anger, and his face falls. It has everything to do with fear and control because he's afraid if I don't provide for me, who will provide for me? And if I am not in control of this, can I trust you to do what I want you to do? Okay, so that's the root of it, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you get to the Malachi passage, which is one of the most famous, like, tithing passages. It's also right. sometimes the most abuse abused, right. right? But he says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour out for you a blessing until there is no more need. And verse 11, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. That is, trust me, And what I will give is provision and protection, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, in Ephesians chapter 5, if you read through there, husbands love your wife, and then the commentary on what love is, love in the New Testament of a husband for their wife is provision and protection. God, the husband, says to his bride, the people of God, if you will just trust me, I will love you Mm -hmm. by provision and protection. But the root, like, so you're not bringing it for the provision and protection. Mm. You're bringing it out of a response that he loves you. Mm-hmm. But what is offered is provision and protection. Mm. It really is the opposite of what anger is. Mm-hmm. Anger is fear and control. Mm. Yeah, man. Love is provision and protection. Yeah. So he says, so God says to Cain when, he's, when his face falls and he becomes angry, yeah. he says, um, if you do well, You'll be accepted if you do not do well. Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Okay, two things. Number one, that's what he says to Eve in the curse about her relationship to Adam, to her husband. That exact same phrase. Your desire is going to be toward him. And so there's something about a struggle, angst. Okay, so we we can get it out if you want, but... What is this description that God's giving to Cain? What's it tell us about sin? <clears throat> now, where desire means like to usurp, to overthrow. Mm-hmm. It would be the kind of word that you would use like as a, a, a bandit would try to overpower you. Mm-hmm. And so essentially, so the Eve, at, the Eve curse is you were created to help and what you think is helping feels like a hostile takeover. The sin crouching at the door in regards to finances is simply this. It cannot do for you what it's promising to do. So let's say you could animate the crops or animate your money or animate your Bitcoin or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. 
it actually thinks it can help you. It may even think, no, no, no. If you'll just like the lie that your wallet would tell you is, if you love me, I'll love you back. Mm -hmm. And then in the hands of the enemy, it is a tool because it cannot do what it promises. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the similarity. Not to get too philosophical on it, but one of the things I can't help but see in both testimonies, whether it's Eve or Cain, is that what sin does is it tries to replace God-given purpose and identity with an autonomous sense of false freedom. And so what what's what the what's crouching at the door is the idea that you can rule you can rule and reign in your own life and you can you can be free. You can be free. Yeah, it's a circumstantial wellness. Right. It's it's freedom on your own terms. Mm-hmm. It's that you you can you can be free to do what you want to do, how you want to do it. The the and we we define freedom in that what in the broken definition of freedom, according to like individual autonomy, is um, I want a light, airy, burdenless existence with no negative emotions. We've talked about this many times over the, over the course of the. So my my target is I want I don't want to feel heavy. I don't want to feel responsibility. Truly, I want reward without responsibility. I want gift without having to cultivate and to grow. Does that I want the right, harvest right. without planting and growing? Does that, that makes sense? Wants. Is that's what reward, everybody no wants. Yeah. yeah. And and so so we're frustrated all this what sin does more than anything, especially in the life of the believer, not more than anything, but it, it we're frustrated all the time with our reality because we have this like innate sense that there's a better freedom out there. If we can just get there. And really what sin does is pit purpose against freedom. And what pur- purpose comes inherently with responsibility. Mm-hmm. But it's, it also comes inherently with meaning, with mission, with significance, with influence, with opportunities more than you can imagine. But it's not light and airy. Mm-hmm. It comes inherently with responsibility. Hmm. And that sometimes comes with, like, hard. It also sometimes comes, it always comes with blessing and fruit and favor and faithfulness. But that's not the same thing as, like, autonomous freedom. Does that make sense? And so the crowd. say autonomous freedom is I am first. I am first. I am preeminent. My feelings are. I don't care what your Bible says. I don't care what your biology says. I don't care what your laws say. What I say is preeminent. That is totally. that is the water we swim in right now in our society. For sure. And even in the which, church. Which is a total... Like, reg- oh, yeah, yeah. There are different versions of it, but... Think about sure. it in terms of parenting. Okay. I think about this all the time. <clears throat> like, you pray... You want to have kids. You feel like God wants you to have kids. You begin to have children, and then those children begin to grow up. And you know that they're pressing on your freedom. Every inherently by choosing to have children, 
what you have done is chosen purpose. Hopefully, you have chosen purpose and meaning and significance and responsibility, but you have dramatically limited your personal sense of freedom. You've said no to a thousand things that you might want to say yes to in order to like enjoy them mm-hmm. because you've chosen something greater of more meaning. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And and oftentimes I feel like the sin crouching at the door is no man, disregard the the weightiness and the beauty and the meaning of having purpose according to God's plan and just chase a momentary satisfaction of like your individual freedom that you create for yourself. Does that make sense? And so it, I guess a little philosophical, but the kid thing brings it into the ground level for me because it's like, ultimately what I'm at, when I get frustrated with my kids, ultimately what I'm frustrated about is that you're in the way of me doing what I want to do the way I want to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So when I see the phrase, if you do well, it sends me to the it is well song. Horatio mm-hmm. Spafford writes, and it, the point of the song is whether I've got blessing coming my way or I've got chaos coming my way, mm-hmm. it is well with my soul. The Hebrew word would be shalom. I have a peace that is not circumstantial. My peace is because I put my trust in God. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. So I think what God is saying to Cain is if you put your trust in your circumstances, which what you did on offering 1A, then it's going to get you because you are putting your trust in your ever-changing circumstances. Mm -hmm. But if you will do well, if you could be at peace, at shalom, then you'll be fine. You will be regarded, Mm -hmm. and it will will go well with you. Mm -hmm. I think that's what he's talking about. It's the same thing you're saying. It's just different words. Yeah, I feel like Abel, going back to the commission thing, Abel had to choose— he chose to put himself in a position to where he was going to have to choose again and again to trust the Lord. Yeah. And so he was choosing to to choose to trust the Lord mm-hmm. versus choosing to like tip tip the Lord while trusting in himself. You see what I'm saying? So just by the nature of his offering, he was putting himself in a position of dependence. Something so, to that for sure. Uh in an effort to not lose my reward in heaven, as Gretchen and I have been praying through what we feel like the Good Shepherd is calling us to mm-hmm. bring. And again, there's two ways to get about this, right? There's like rationality. We could just do the math. But we're going the like revelation route. Lord, what are you calling us to do? So right now, the number that we will write down. So I don't know if this will translate well, but the only way we have money is because I do ministry. You know, I mean, it's what I get paid to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, in order for us to be able to fulfill what we think God is calling us to do, God will have to open the doors to a whole bunch of more ministry. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like I will have to, I am, this is different. Like I got to go out and do some stuff, which will be minute. I mean, I don't know how to do anything else. It's not like I can like go dig. I can't do anything. So... <laughs> But a part of, and, and this is a part of what hit me. I was at Matt McPherson's place, the guy that makes Matthew's bows. I don't know if I've already told you all this. He prayed a long time ago. He's a like super, super Jesus follower. And he said, I wanted to live a radically generous life. And he also said, but I'm terrible at begging and raising money. So I said, God, if you will give me ideas, 
I will leverage them in such a way to be able to give away, like support missions, ministries, church plants, da 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 you know? So in his mind, the reason he's working so hard to create new best-selling Matthews bows, and he started a mission line, it's called Mission, to give money to missionaries, that kind of stuff, the, the deal is basically like, I'm going to bring you the first fruits, and so I'd like to be able to be extravagant with this. Mm-hmm. And the only way that works is you got to give me engineering ideas mm-hmm. like cutting edge technology because it's the only way I know how mm-hmm. to do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you kind of take that and I'm coming before the Lord. We are saying not just like let's tighten up around here, don't eat out as much and you know, let's get cheap coffee instead of expensive coffee. It's not that. Mm-hmm. It's all right, Lord, I'm just going to trust you and I don't even know exactly how it's going to happen, mm-hmm. but something's got to happen. Yeah. And all I know how to do is just serve you and work for you. So here we go. That's a little bit of, I think, what you're saying, like with Abel. The moment he did the firstborn, well, then when the when the, the rest of the litter is born and they all have firstborns, he's bringing those firstborns. Mm-hmm. So it's a choice that makes a whole bunch of other choices. For sure. It's so crazy that God says, test me. I know. You know, he says, he's like, he's like, come on, get try. It's almost like, you know. Uh, you're playing this game of chicken. Like, you think you can outgive? You think you can out? Right. You know, you think you can, you can out out bet me? Put all your chips in the middle and, and watch what I can do. And I think that freaks a lot of people out. I mean, there's probably a lot of people who want to do the math way. Well, and I thought the the David Jeremiah thing was yeah. kind of shocking. Uh, I heard it on the radio that just in case somebody missed the sermon. He was teaching on tithing, and a young couple came to him. We're like, hey, I don't know if we can do that. And he goes, I'll tell you what. Can you trust me if you just write a check, and I'll leave it on my desk, and then if at the end of the month you need it, I'll give it back to you. And they were like, oh, that'd be great. And then he tears it up and goes, why do you trust me more than Jesus? Yeah. That's the little, I mean, that's like old man preacher, well, Jesus juke. Yeah. That is it, right? No doubt. Yeah. <laughs> now, you talked about just now, Pastor Britt, you were saying – you know, personal freedom and mission or um, purpose. And it made me think of something from the sermon that you said, Pastor Joby, about how what we do with our finances steers our hearts. And uh, some, for some reason, the illustration comes to mind. It's like, it's almost like God says, hey, here's some shoes. Walk on that path, but don't step in those mud puddles over there. Some of the practical side of what he gives us through through his word, you know. And... <clears throat> That, that can be a hard thing for us to get in our minds because we love talking about the sovereignty of God, you know. But when you hear about all the opportunities that it gives you, all the freedom that it gives you, and it says, hey, you could go that you could steer yourself this way or that way. That's, that's just kind of weird to think about sometimes when it's just like, no, no, he's doing it all. He's going to, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's one of those paradoxes. So uh, how would you guide somebody who's struggling with that with like, hey, embrace the opportunity that God's given you. You know, he has given you the choice of how to steer your own your own heart through what he's given you. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's two at the heart of the doctrines of grace that teach the sovereignty of God is are two inseparable realities, Mm -hmm. which is the glory of God and our joy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're married. I don't know if this is all the way theologically right. Y'all can correct me if it's not. Seemingly to me, the way I hear your question, my my instinctive response is, 
God's glory is not at stake in your obedience. Your joy, however, in his glory yeah. is, it is the thing. Like mm. what, what's going to be missing is your joy in him getting his glory. He's getting his glory. Yeah, he may get it through your blessing. He may get it through your discipline. He may get it through your judgment. Mm. But he's glorified. He's it, the weightiest thing in all of reality. It, well, he it, to say God yeah. is glorious is to say God is first. That this, yeah, his glory is what's on display. It's the first of you know what I mean. It's yeah, his yeah. first and highest priority. And so, the thing if his if his glory is not my first and highest priority, mm. then what's what's what I'll be missing is the is the joy is his joy. <clears throat> so there's there's two you things. See what I'm saying? That, so yeah, two illustrations of that. One. Talked about it week one. Mm-hmm. If he's the good shepherd and he wants the abundant life for you mm-hmm. and he's speaking to you, you can put those three things together. Right. And if you'll do what he says, it will lead you to abundant life, which will lead you to him. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I thought about, I, I wasn't able to share it in the sermon just for time reasons. When Malachi says, why do you rob me? Mm-hmm. I think a part of it is God is saying, you think you're robbing me, you're actually robbing you. Mm-hmm. When I was in college, I worked at Camp Pine Hill where I got saved, where I was the camp pastor. And my my grandma, Mert, was a, she'd been widowed for a long time. And she lived like 20 minutes away from Pine Hill. And Friday, the kids would go home and they didn't come back till Monday. And so I would just go stay with her because, you know, she's like living by herself and she's awesome. And I loved her. And she would do my laundry, which was incredible. It smelled it was so good, you know? And then one day I'm driving to her house from camp on a Friday and I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bless her. And I went and got a bunch of quarters and pulled in at the quarter laundromat and did my laundry. And it was terrible. But then I got there and she said, where's your laundry? And I was like, Mert, I did it myself. Her feelings were hurt so bad. I'll never forget. She said, please never rob me for an opportunity of serving you. Mm. Okay. So two things happened. Get a Mert. I hurt her feelings, right? And my laundry sucked. And you're out, you know. Ten bucks. A and I'm out, and I even know. Yeah, so I probably used like I did everything wrong. Yeah. So it was all like it was all wrong, mm-hmm. you know. So I I think if you mm-hmm. can hear the voice of God out loud, and first and best is His, and if it's in your account instead of His account, you are robbing Him. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be this is what you're saying. God would say, "You think you're robbing me? You're actually robbing you." Mm-hmm. Like there's a blessing of obedience that you're not walking in mm-hmm. because cause you think you're going to buy some new pants and that's going to do it for whatever you're going to do with that money. Mm. And and you're robbing yourself mm. of joy that you could be walking in. I don't know about you guys, but I have a hard time accepting help from people a lot. And That's a gospel issue, my friend. And something about what you're saying makes me think of that because... In, in your story, you thought, no, no, I won't, I won't burden her. Right. I'll take care of it myself. And s- there's definitely applications to that in in relationships. You say, well, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't want to inconvenience somebody else. I'll just, I'll, I'll do it myself. Which is a pride, yeah, but but it applies also to God. What you're saying. So if I if I'm robbing myself by not allowing God to help me. Then I then I'm prideful. So because. I think we're not actually friends until you've asked me to do something for you. Mm. 
We ain't friends. Because mm-hmm. if we were real friends and you needed something that I could actually do, you would reach out. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't, we just, uh, just kind of know each other and we're friendly. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think about that. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, I mean, the gospel is I need help mm-hmm. no fundamentally, and I have to receive mm-hmm. a grace gift. Yeah. This is another little tangent, but it, it applies. You talked about Ephesians 5. When he's giving those instructions, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to present the church to himself, pure, spotless, and blameless. So he's actually serving himself by by purifying a bride. Yeah. You know what I mean? Glory. Correct. And so that's wild, isn't it? To think about you're kind of, it's, it's almost like your own self-interest that you'd be, do, you'd be walking in obedience, you know, and we tend to think of it as just like, oh, I'm denying myself. But no, 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 you're actually serving. I mean, that's Christian hedonism, right? Like to lean into what God has is to lean into the greatest joy that so I can So a great experience. example of that, and I'll be careful because I've gotten in trouble with this before. It's a mom nursing her child. Mm-hmm. So the deepest desires of the mom is to be a great mom. Mm-hmm. And what the child needs above all things is what only the mom can provide. Mm-hmm. And this is the word I said, steadfast love. So what the kid is crying out for is what the mom can provide. And what the mom was created to be mm-hmm. is fulfilled in what she can do for the child. Mm-hmm. And God uses that word picture for our relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so you shared a story about being younger. I'm curious, what? how did y'all grow up when it comes to like giving, you know, we were taught, you know, here's your piggy bank for saving. Here's your thing for taking a church. Or did you see, is the story come to mind of a, of a parent writing a check? I mean, I can remember my parents writing the check for church and, you know, sometimes they'd be like, Hey, you want to put in the offering plate? You know? And, um, I never looked at it though. That's not a rule breaker, but yeah, I, um, there was kind of two, realities for me. One was the way that uh, both my grandfather and my my father, uh, my grandfather on my mother's side and my, my dad, both of them were very, very generous mm-hmm. uh, people. And, not, and certainly in regards to trusting God through the local church, no question, mm-hmm. but just which was it's kind of like the if you're generous there generosity begets generosity and so generosity would just spill out in corners of their life and um and so I was very blessed to see that but I grew up in a religious system that was a bit more works based and it, it was very much a sense of like dutiful obligation is mm-hmm. the way that giving was taught like mm-hmm. it's your duty to obey and uh, I think any time that o- obedience is taught as dutiful obligation, like, is it better if you just do it than don't do it? I mean, you could argue that back and forth. That said, that's not the the point's not that you're like, yes, sir. Right. It's dutiful obligation's not the point. And so, my personal giving journey and and journey of learning what obe- the joy of obedience. 
uh, in all facets, but but primarily through learning this and giving uh, financially was go from like dutiful obligation because I also worked at churches in my early years where they would just take it out of your check, your ten percent, or um, it was checked and monitored regularly, not from a place of pastoral care, but from like a church discipline kind of kind of way, you know, enforcement. And so, which makes you just like run. It's like you got to run sprints at practice. You're kind of like, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, so that's why I hate running now because it was always punishment. <laughs> And so it, it, there was no joy in it. It was very dutiful-based. Mm. But God, in His grace over time, took me on this journey of what I would call duty, delight, design. It's like duty was kind of the way that it started, and mm. God was faithful in that, even though the motivations were jacked, and it was like He's still at work in all things, and mm. He was still at work in that. And then it got into a delight season where it was like, I get to do this. Like I get to be a part of people getting saved. Maybe a little return on investment, a little bit. Like which is still in the good category for sure. I still I get to trust God in this way, and I get to obey God. This yeah. is cool. Like I get to say yes to God, and He said yes to me. And then over time, really through first and best, it's like, oh wait, it's not just that I get to do this. This is why I'm alive. Mm-hmm. I'm designed for this. Mm-hmm. Like this is what God put me on the planet to be. Which is to be loved by him and to have my life overflowing with gratitude and generosity. Mm-hmm. And one way I practice that is by trusting him uh, in regards to giving through the church and to the advancement of the kingdom. So that duty, delight, design thing has very much been my journey. Mm. What about you, Pastor Jimmy? Nothing. We didn't grow up in church at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, and you know, my dad came to the Lord just a couple of years ago. But he, uh, if works got you to heaven, he'd he'd go because he's just such a good dad and a good dude. So I do remember him being super generous. Like in our town, he also could do everything, mm-hmm. and he kind of knew everybody, mm-hmm. and he was always doing a bunch of stuff for everybody else. Mm-hmm. But never one time did he ever sit down and be like, "All right, here's finances. Here's how it works. Here's what you do. You save." It, it it was so intuitive to him. He just assumed, well, everybody should do this, and if you don't, you're dumb. Well, he's probably right, but I was dumb. So I get to college, freshman year. Don't know. There's no giving context to the Lord. I'm a Christian, but I don't know anything about that. Mm-hmm. And I'm walking by a table, and it was like, if you sign up for this credit card, you get a free T-shirt. And I'm like, how could this go wrong? Okay, mm-hmm. so. Who doesn't love a free T-shirt? I got. I still have it. It was. A, it was a AT and T. You remember you could get like a. A long distance card that was also a credit card when long distance costs. That's how old that is. You don't know about that, Mickey, but it was a thing. So, anyway, you by the time I got out of college, got married, that t shirt cost me $24,000. I am, I am almost a year's salary worth of credit card debt. Hmm. And I was at a church service at Beach. So, I'd just gotten hired as the youth pastor here. And Pastor Jerry says in his sermon, you cannot be financially upside down and be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And I thought, well, you just hired one to lead all your youth. Uh-oh, we got to do something different. Mm-hmm. And he was like, the average credit card debt in America is $8,000. And everybody was like, ooh. And I was like, dude, I, I wish I had $8,000. <laughs> I three jobs. And it, it started there from more of a probably just duty, like, all right, man. I'm a pastor on staff. We've been kind of tipping God a little bit. But we've got to change everything Um, and we didn't get there overnight. 
and it and we didn't get out of it overnight. But we hopped on like the Dave Ramsey train, and simultaneously began to trust God with our finances more. And I mean, dude, it was rice and beans. But we got completely out of debt in a few years, and um, it that changed everything. So it was more like we learned from pain, not example. Because mm. like you will learn. Mm-hmm. This is kind of the, the the brilliance of Solomon and Proverbs. A bunch of times he'll be like, "Child, listen to me," mm-hmm. and basically, some what he's saying is, "You're going to learn this lesson. You can either bloody your nose against the wall and learn, don't go down that path, or you can trust me when I say don't go down that path." Mm-hmm. I'm hoping a lot of our families are teaching wisdom to their children mm-hmm. that way. Which one of the things I'm excited about in the Ten Ten Life and all the initiatives that we've done is what our kids and student ministry do with our kids and students. They re- we they do a good job of coming alongside the families to help give language and handles to parents on how do you teach this to to our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people out there who, I don't know if this is new necessarily, but, you know, people tend to have distrust about church. Maybe it's because TV pastors or something like that about giving money to church. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, you mentioned that Jesus talked a lot about money, and you also uh, read from Second Corinthians nine, and a bunch of Second Corinthians is basically a support letter. The Apostle Paul is saying, "Please support me on my mission." Correct. And so, what's in your heart as the lead pastor of this church in terms of like talking about money and saying, "Hey, you need to bring you need to bring this to the church." And and not reacting to people's skepticism, yeah. but but representing faithfully that that it's like, hey, it's really really important. I'm not sure if that makes sense. That yeah, makes sense. it's not really important. It's fundamental to your walk with Jesus, mm-hmm. right? So, um, by the time you get to Acts four, the followers of Jesus are selling things and bringing possessions and laying them at the apostles' feet. So mm-hmm. there's like this organizational maturity that has begun to happen yes. in the church to support the advancement of the kingdom of God. It is mm-hmm. fundamental to what it means to be a Jesus follower. So I have a lot of ideas there. One, the people that are generous, they have no problem on money sermons because mm-hmm. they're like, oh, cool, you know? Just like people that are faithful in their marriage and they have a good marriage, they kind of enjoy marriage sermons. The ones that sting people are people that are not doing good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm very convicted in Malachi 3 when he says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Mm-hmm. All right. So if you're a manager of the storehouse, you better run a tight storehouse. Mm-hmm. If we are equating bringing money to God and declaring he is first with the entity that is the Church of 1122, you better run a tight, well-managed, well-stewarded church. Mm -hmm. So what we decided a long time ago is we joined an organization called the ECFA. We were the youngest church to ever do that. It's an accreditation organization. We just went through an internal audit from them that doesn't just, it looks at your finances, but it also looks at like your motives and your doctrine and your like what people get paid and mm-hmm. what you spend money on and what percentage of what goes to where. And I mean, it's a lot of stuff. In addition to that, we have a third party firm do an external audit on us every single year. And we post all of that stuff online. So I think the responsibility, well, we have 
a pretty significant amount of responsibility in showing to folks that attend here or anybody that wants to look that we are accountable, first and foremost, to the Lord, but we're also using high standards of accountability internally and externally to be good stewards so that we could be a trustworthy church that people could invest or bring their bring their first and best to God through. Mm. It matters to me a bunch. Mm. For sure. And it should. Yeah, no doubt. I mean and, and uh I would say to the folks and I know quite a few of them, you know, by by name. Mm. For I know their kids' names and that have gone to churches that it just didn't end up good. Mm. Whether it's over the last handful of years, over the last handful of decades, like they got burned specifically in regards to managing money and and um not subjective objectively. Yeah. They got burned. Like it's not like I just I didn't like that the the church did this project and so I that's different than mismanagement. Mismanagement. Mm-hmm. And um I'd say to them, and I have said to many of them, one, I'm I'm really sorry. Two, I get it. And let me just reassure you that even though you didn't it didn't go the way that you wanted it to or prayed for it to, mm-hmm. or God saw you. Yeah. And you didn't give that to those leaders. Mm-hmm. You gave that to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And the Lord the Lord is on the throne. And I can't explain. I can't explain all the stuff. I wish it, whatever happened hadn't happened. I, I, I. But you took. You gave that to the Lord. You, if you did in your heart, you know you gave that to the Lord, and the Lord will redeem it. And somehow the Lord is at work in all this mess. And so I just always wanted like reassure people mm-hmm. that like, on a heart level, you gave that to God, mm-hmm. and right. and uh, He's in that. He's in it, even though it's a mess or it's it's been hurtful and. Yeah, so well, anyway, it happened. I mean, Jesus talks about this directly. Yeah. So the widow brings two little widow mites. Like she brings nothing, and she is investing in a corrupt temple. No mm. doubt. In the same place where he turned over tables and says, "This is a den of robbers." So she is investing in the den of robbers. Mm. And what does he say about her offering? Mm. Well done. Right. And that's exactly what you're talking about because her heart. She's not giving her out of excess. She's given. She's given her first and best. She gave it all. Dude, I'll okay. tell you two stories quick. Yeah. I could tell you. Like, we could sit here for another hour just telling you stories of the wid- widow's might mm-hmm. through the church of eleven twenty two. Um, praise God for it. But I was on one. Is this has been a handful of months ago? Um, we got a a, a check in the mail from a person who is currently incarcerated. Oh, yeah. And they could listen to the sermons through the system at the time called JPay, which is like a, an iPad system where all of our sermons are available to all the inmates in the state of Florida. Um, and listen to the, a sermon uh, where Pastor Joby shared on first and best. I think it was just a part of the sermon. It wasn't even like tonight where mm-hmm. the whole thing – and. F- wanted to start bringing their first and best. And so through the prison system, mailed us a check for like, I think it was like a dollar sixty-seven, yeah. And we, I got it. Yeah, it we received $2. it here. And I was just like, hmm. bro, that's cool. That cool. Like, you got nothing. You're incarcerated. Right. 
the little bit that you do have, you want to bring it back to the Lord, like praise God. Mm. I was talking to a buddy of mine who's the executive pastor at my brother's, the church where my brother pastors, on the way up here tonight, because they're doing, they've got a big thing going on at their church this weekend, a uh, commitment thing, and they're they're in a vision uh, really a discipleship series where they're stepping into the next season of of what it looks like to disciple folks at their church. Anyway, there's a guy that you're there. He was telling me, like, they're on the front end of it, similar to we are, and there's a guy that goes to their church there that's uh, he's an adult with special needs and uh, works at Kroger one or two days a month and committed $600. Wow. To this thing, and he was just like, uh, "Bro, all the discipleship effort and all the." He was like, "If that's the only thing that happened, yeah. it'd be worth it." Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so anyway, it's just cool stories like that where it's like, it's not about this amount or that amount. It's about first and best and trusting God and. Letting God grow joy. Mm-hmm. See, here's what that little, that guy probably never knows: the amount of joy his obedience has produced in my life just tonight. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I just love Jesus a little bit more somehow because I heard the testimony of that yeah. kid's faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. Praise mm-hmm. God for it. In that Malachi passage, you know, you, you talk about the storehouse, and he says, "So that there may be, may be food in my house." Yeah. And I loved the connection that you made in in the message about. The food is the the bread of life through the word, the preaching of the word of God. I don't know that when you when when you're just sort of average Joe reading the the Old Testament, you're hearing all these sacrifices and stuff. You're just like, this is so random. A ton of that was a meal, like it was like a potluck. It was the potluck meal that you would provide for you provide the meal for the the priest and his family, but also all those festivals and stuff. It was a huge party because everybody was bringing their sacrifices. It was given to the Lord, like you're saying, but also for the benefit of everybody. So, so, so cool. Yeah, but yeah, and then in the New Testament, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Yes. Right. That um, yeah, he says in John 4, when they go get, to some, go get some food and he's in Samaria, he's like, I got food y'all don't even know know mm-hmm. about. He says to the, he says to the devil, uh, man shouldn't live on bread alone, but by, on the very word of God. Mm-hmm. So in the new covenant, man, mm-hmm. This is the food, the teaching, the the ministry is the food. And so I didn't have time to tease it all out, but when people bring their first and best, that is how the ministry, the food of the Word of God is provided Mm -hmm. to the little kids, to every age, our student ministry. Mm -hmm. Like that is the food that is available Mm -hmm. in in the Lord's house today. Yeah. That their, their full tithe is what brings that and makes that available. That's how we have... That's how we are able to spend all day, every day, working on this stuff in order to provide the environments and experiences that people can discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, why don't we close with this? Imagine that you're sitting across from somebody and they're saying, I'm just full of fear. I'm full of frustration. I'm not, I'm not, I know I'm not obeying this thing that God's called me to. How would you paint the picture for them? I know it's not all about, the benefits that that person would receive. But how would you paint the picture for that person of what life could be like walking in first fruits? I would start with, okay, to be clear, is Jesus your Lord? Mm -hmm. And then the answer to that question determines the rest of the conversation. Mm -hmm. 
Because if they're, if they're like, I don't know, well, then we just need to talk about the gospel. Right. No wonder you're afraid. But if he is your shepherd and you're a sheep, then there's only two, there's only, there's hirelings, there's wolves, and there's the shepherd. Or you can just try to like be the lone sheep. It ain't going to go good for you. Right. There's only one of those options that leads to abundant life where you'll lie down in green pastures and drink still waters and have your soul restored. Mm-hmm. And if you're not trusting to do what he says, your issue has nothing to do with finances. Mm. It has to do with faith. Right. Because fear is anti-faith. Mm-hmm. And so we got a faith issue. Like, do you trust him? Mm. Right? Yeah. And it has the power to totally transform your life. I mean, who doesn't want that? I love what you said. Uh, people look to money for security or satisfaction, and it will fail you every time. Every time. You know, it can't give rest to your soul. Only the good shepherd can do that. And what we're going to get into in two weeks is when you trust them with first and best, then you're able, then you're actually free to enjoy 100% of it. Mm-hmm. You enjoy every video you see and every baptism you see. This is a little ROI in the kingdom. You enjoy every missionary that you hear about because you're like, I got to be a part of that. And you enjoy the sweet vacation you take your family on because you're not all guilt-ridden mm-hmm. about like, ah, should we, I'm not into this. You should have sold that and given it to the poor. Mm-hmm. You know who said that? Judas. That is not right. Team Jesus. Yeah. It is, you do what the shepherd tells you to do. You bring your first and best. And then Paul's going to tell Timothy, when you're talking to rich people, he's given them everything to enjoy. Mm-hmm. You cannot enjoy it if you're disobedient on the front end because you're going to be all caned up and angry, mm-hmm. you know, compare, all that kind of stuff. But, man... It, it allows me to fully enjoy an expensive meal I buy or whatever because I know that we are being we are living an obedient life to do what God has told us to do in regards to bringing our first and best. Mm-hmm. I'm also not guilted by every single uh, request that I hear mm-hmm. everywhere I go. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm trusting God with my first and best, and I have my ear tuned to offerings and contributions, mm-hmm. but I, I'm, I'm not guilted by every little like, do you want to give a dollar to this and $2 to that? Mm-hmm. Because I know I'm, I have the freedom that I'm doing what the shepherds told me to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's how you enjoy it all. Yeah. Well, why don't you pray for the person listening and maybe over the next couple of years, the people that are going to take that step from fear to faith. Yeah, I'd love to. Let's pray. Our good and gracious Heavenly Father, God, we thank you that you are such a good shepherd. You want the abundant life for us. Mm. And so, God, would you give us ears to hear and eyes to see the lies of the enemy, that our life is not defined by an abundance of stuff that would never fully and finally satisfy. May we find our security and our satisfaction in you and you alone. Mm. Uh, Lord, for the people that are in financial peril right now, Mm. and especially by things that happen to them, like medical things or some business thing that wasn't even their fault. Lord, would you give them the strength to trust you through this, knowing that though they feel like they're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with them. Mm-hmm. Lord, I pray against any kind of spirit of legalism in our church mm-hmm. that's just checking boxes and counting numbers. And may may we lean into you, hear the voice of the Good Shepherd, and do what you have told us to do. And God, I pray... I pray and give you thanks and gratitude for all of the incredible freedom and joy 
that your followers will walk in when we are obedient to do what you say. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.